Welcome to Technado. Welcome back to Technado. I'm your host, Sophie Goodwin. Uh, we've got a lot. We're going to go into space tech today. We're going to go into earth tech today. We've got a lot to cover. Um, so I'm here with Don. Don, how are you doing today? I am doing great. You know, it's a strange news cycle when we have to leave the earth to yes. find things to report on. Yes. But uh, well, that's where we're at. It's a, it's a yeah. brave new world. Yeah, literally not not just like <laughs> rocket ships, like actual stuff going on in space. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but then we also got Daniel, of course, here with us. How are you, Dan? I was just thinking if they if they did it with a Sharknado, why not the Technado, right? Because if, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, the Sharknado ended up in space. You know the best yeah. thing about the Sharknado? Uh, it is renewable energy. It's true. Yeah. True. I never saw any of the Sharknado it's movies. It's environmentally so. friendly. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't sound like it would be, but all right. I'll, I'll, I'll take sure, it. sounds like it's not very friendly for the sharks. I feel shark like the sharks would disagree, but okay. I'll, I'll take your word for it, and I'll just I'll watch it at a later date. There's like four or five of them, aren't there? There's a lot of technical <laughs> The first sharks. article <laughs> is from Wikipedia. It says, Sharknado 3, oh hell no. <laughs> <laughs> That's the actual name of the movie. I believe it is. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> that's Why that's not? all I really yeah. need to know about it. Then <laughs> I don't need any more context than that. Oh, Sharks in space. No. Okay. Well, well, we don't we don't have any deep sea or, or ocean technology news today, unfortunately. But we do have, like I said, some some things going on up in space. So this first article is from Gizmodo. Florida startup moves closer to building data centers on the moon. So they talk in this article about the moon being the next white space in the new space economy. Which to me sounds like a sentence out of Star Trek. The new space economy. Like, that sounds like a sci-fi series. Yeah, you know, we have heard a good bit about the space economy, but it's mostly been centered around some of our uh, uh, low-orbit satellites, right? So Amazon's been trying to set up an internet service. Facebook's been trying to do that. Uh, Elon Musk with Starlink was the, the first mm -hmm. one to really do it in a commercial sense, getting enough satellites up in space to create a, a global internet. Uh, this is going a step further. This is going all the way to the moon. And it's a neat idea. We've heard people talk about this in the past, is if we could build a data center on the moon, what would that do for us? And there, there's two big things. One is if we're ever going to colonize the moon, which I, I don't really know there's any point in doing, but if we do, <laughs> then we'll, we'll certainly want to have communications up there, and it would be nice to have systems already in place. But the second thing is when you run a data center, one big challenge you face is dealing with the heat from the systems. Well, the moon is kind of weird because it can be really hot on the moon, but it can be really cold as so well. It's on the dark side, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So potentially you could have a data center there that had no cooling problems whatsoever, and uh, your your processors could be overclocked to the roof <laughs> and so on, uh, if you, especially if you put it underground on the moon. So neat opportunity. When I hear about a lot of these things, I, I'm usually a skeptic on it, and I'm like, this is not going anywhere. But this company's already moved along a decent way. They've raised $5 million, which is probably a drop in the bucket for what they actually need. But they've already done one test on the International Space Station, so they've already sent some hardware up. And with this next one, they're going to be dropping a data center temporarily for, I think they said, two weeks on the moon in the next test. And just see see how it goes. This is an edge server. Can they communicate? Can they transmit data back and forth? How reliably does it operate? And that'll set the stage for permanent data centers probably by the 2027 to 2030 range, hmm. so near future. And by the time we're colonizing the moon, we'll be like... You got to park next to the uh, Microsoft data center. Hang a left at the Amazon one. Yeah, <laughs> right. you know their 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 use case scenario for this I thought was a little odd, where they were saying like we need to be able to back up data and it's not safe to keep it on the Earth. We want to keep it somewhere else. It's offsite storage. Yeah, but it it's online, right? To be able to get data to it. So I, I don't see it being any safer than here on yeah. Earth. It's not going to be wireless though. It's going yeah. <laughs> to run wires all the way. It's five G. Yeah, <laughs> that is that is like taking offsite storage to a to a whole new level. It's like, true. It's, you wouldn't have to about people, I guess, breaking into data yeah. centers or anything. There's no people up there. Well, but well, wait a minute. What? Hang on. So could could this be a false sense of security, right? right. Because I mean, the Russians could. could go there. We're going to go Red Dawn mode here, right? Because it's <laughs> always the Russians. So if you had a data Chinese center, could the Chinese? They could probably make uh, that happen. Probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they've certainly got the resources. So you stick a data center up there and assume that it's perfectly safe. And meanwhile, there's cosmonauts and whatever <laughs> <laughs> just hiding out. Uh, and yeah. also, if, if there were things that, like, if something went wrong with a data center, if there was an issue or whatever, if it's on Earth, you somebody can go check on it. If it's on the moon, what do you do? Well, you know, I think we have some experience there with Microsoft's experiments at the bottom of the ocean. Remember, they, the Microsoft had that data center that they Pots sank down or, underwater, right. and what, they just they planned for failure. 
So it was a, a massive, not a submarine, but like a... It looked like a big, giant, like... Cargo Tylenol. container. Oh, like a, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it did. <laughs> and the idea was that it had, I forget how many servers, like a thousand servers in there, and they just planned on 30% of them failing. Hmm. And so they just build around that model, and it's resilient. That's not happening here with this test, because I wondered about that. But if you if you read the details on it, the data center, did you guys see how much it weighed? Two pounds. Mm-hmm. Two pounds. Really? That's, that's pretty small. It's a bunch so, of Raspi zeros. It probably is. It, <laughs> I mean, two pounds, what are you going to get? Like a power supply? and Well, they said power is coming from a different source. So they probably get solar power out of it? Yeah. No, they, they, they there's, there's a lander that's coming down, gotcha. and it's going to draw power from the lander. Mm. And it's nuclear? And I have no idea. It's probably some insanely toxic chemical. <laughs> a lot yeah. of satellites are powered that it's way. It's made of cobalt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but in the future, they want it to be self-sustaining. It'll probably be solar. Yeah. But in this test, it'll just draw power from the lander. But at two pounds, it's not significant. And it's yeah. only supposed to be there for two weeks for testing. Okay. I mean, we're in 2023 now. It says they're hoping for standalone data setters by 2026, which that'll come up fast. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see if they're, if they're able to do it. Dude, if it happens, if they get this thing going and they make it public, I am totally putting something. I'm, I'm having something. <laughs> so I can say, oh, my data's on the moon. I wonder... Yeah. I wonder if this will be one of those times. So the, the government has, I, I think, only done this once with a patent, but they've d- yeah. done it other times with other technology where they step in and they say, for national security, this technology is reserved for the government. Ah, that would be lame. They could do it. I want some. I want to play with the thing. Come yes. on, man. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh. we'll have to see if they make this available to the public. It, it's guaranteed to be expensive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, Spin true. it up for a few. I say that like it's gonna <laughs> like I'm like I'm gonna put my date on the moon. I don't know yeah. that I would even do it, but yeah, I'm sure you're right. It's not gonna be Just cheap. My it, MP4 collection of Sailor Moon. <laughs> if you <laughs> if you go into AWS, you can spin up instances in any region, right? And yeah. you can pick like uh, U.S. East, U.S. West, Europe West, U.S. Europe East. Uh, they have Southeast Asia. You can pick whatever you want, but some of them are way more expensive than others. Mm-hmm. And I think the moon is probably going to be a whole new tier. It'll be top tier. <laughs> but they have like sectors of the moon, like moon northwest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on, like moon a, west. This this one's in the CD department yeah. on the moon, you know, the section. Mine's <laughs> near the sea of tranquility. <laughs> Wrong side of the moon. Yeah. That's the, that's the upper class one. Yeah, really expensive. Yeah. It's that a gated bougie, community. Yeah. That, that bougie moon data center. <laughs> Well, at the very least, I mean, it's it's cool that I, this is the kind of thing that I would not even realize that they're trying to make strides in this. And I guess if the plan one day is to colonize the moon, they got to start somewhere. So this is pretty cool. But um, coming back down to Earth, I know it sounds boring in comparison, but coming back down to Earth, we have an article from Tom's Hardware. Uh, Chinese brands flood U.S. retail with not-so-cheap graphics cards. I, I'm not sure. I, I was reading through this, and is the issue that like is creating competition for US based brands or are the graphic cards like not reliable is that the main issue here so there's there's a few things at play okay and the the big thing is there's a lot of strange hardware coming out of China right now and if you remember from a couple of years ago China was the first country to really step in and say crypto is bad so cryptocurrency is like bitcoin and so on uh, and i I Tom's think it's a stinking Chinese double agent over here because he <laughs> hates the crypto. I think uh, I've I've made my my case multiple or my stance clear on this one. I am not a fan of cryptocurrencies, and uh, uh, if that is your real name, <laughs> <laughs> it, it is something that I, I think the the Chinese government is doing doing right. Uh, and so you know they, they've you taken were a big born stance in Asia, if I'm not mistaken. I was indeed. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is all starting to fall yes. into place. I did not know that. Uh, yeah, I had dual we citizenship. Go ahead and uh, get some uh, FBI over here. Somebody. Yeah. Can. Well, yeah. I mean, now, now I'm seeing where you're coming uh, yeah. from. <laughs> so uh, uh, <laughs> now that I've become some uh, insurgent, yeah. like to go ahead and welcome Agents Brown and Smith <laughs> to the Technado as they are recording. <laughs> well. The Chinese government basically made Bitcoin mining either illegal or just very difficult to do legally. And so many Bitcoin farms, which they were massive farms over there, all had to shut down overnight. And they had tons and tons of gear that became uh, just worthless overnight. Mm. And then stack on top of that, the crypto market's crashing in the last 12 to 16 months. And so it's hours. Uh, no, uh, all of the oh yeah, hours. yeah, right, yeah. yeah. It's it, it's it's been a crazy it world this last been, week. Yeah, but uh, but you stack on all that, and you've got these graphics cards that are insanely powerful, 
and they're just sitting there collecting dust. And so there's there have been a couple of controversies. One of them is some of the crypto farms are repainting the memory chips to make them look brand new and then selling the cards online as if they were new. Ooh. And graphics cards are really hard to come by during the pandemic. Supply chain kicked in, and so now there's this glut of cards, and it's hard to tell whether they're new or not. Mm. Well, now we've got the factories that are manufacturing these cards are not just manufacturing them for the big names like EVGA and Gigabit and Asus and those guys, but they're also starting to create their own brands. And so you're seeing cards from from industry leaders like Paladin and... M L L S E and Milzy. I don't even know how you'd My say that one. My favorite is corn. Corn, <laughs> just just corn. Corn GeForce RTX 37. Did you see their logo? It it looks like yeah, kernels it of looks corn. Like it looks like a shaft of corn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it actually looks more like a, almost like a wheat. Uh, but yeah, yes. I can definitely see that. Yeah. Uh, so you know these are. Well, I, I've mentioned this on the podcast before. These weird uh, yeah, Chinese uh, factories right. selling Which on Amazon. On Amazon, yeah, it was sixty. Uh, six random five or characters. six characters. Yeah, I was looking at. Um, like mini gaming PCs, and one of them was like uh, one of those vendors. And I'm like, do I trust this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we're seeing more of that. And the 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 lesson here for all of you out there in in Technoland is, if you're purchasing hardware, these are likely not companies to trust. To Daniel's point, you know, are you going to be able to continually get drivers? Are they actually UL rated to not catch on fire? Mm. Uh, I worry about that That's with some of the, the <laughs> higher end graphics cards. You hear about these 4080s and stuff that will melt their power connectors. Mm-hmm. You you don't want to fire inside of your computer. What? Or outside that, of it, huh? for that matter, I guess. That was we a like dumb to thing party, to Don. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so it's interesting. You know, be careful who you source this stuff from. And these are on sale on Amazon and on Newegg. So you've got to take the time to vet. You know, the brands that you're purchasing and the seller that's selling those to make sure you're getting genuine equipment. Okay. So it's overlapping issues. It's, it's not just one big yep. thing. Okay. Yep. Interesting. All right. See, I, I don't often purchase graphics cards, so uh, it was, I'm glad you were able to bring it One day up. we'll make you do it. One, one day. Yeah. yeah. One day. You're, well, you're going you to make me build a... Before Don goes You're going to make me build a computer, right? So at some point, <laughs> at some point I got I to gotta get familiar with, with the specifics on that stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. Interesting. Well, uh, that's that's... The first half of our Earth news, uh, <laughs> we have we have a second article here that takes place here on Earth. Uh, this one's from Ars Technica. You can now run a GPT-3 level AI model on your laptop, phone, and Raspberry Pi. Now, the extent of my work with GPT-related stuff is ChatGPT, and I just ask it fun little questions and have it answer for me. But from what, what I gather from this is that usually you need a more heavy-duty setup for what they're talking about. But the way they phrase it, this llama can run <laughs> on a single consumer GPU. Yeah, yeah. So when you jump onto uh, OpenAI's website and go into ChatGPT, what you don't realize is that on the back end, the language model that they're using is so big that it takes many, many GPUs to have enough memory to handle it, right? If you go buy a a high-end graphics card right now, you could drop like $2,000 on a RTX 4090, Mm. and it's going to have... 16 to 24 gigs of RAM on it, right? Like DDR5 or DDR6 RAM. And these language models oftentimes will need even more memory than that. And mm-hmm. so when when OpenAI stands up their systems, they've got hundreds or even thousands of servers with these graphics cards in them to be able to spread that load across more than one system. When you're on your laptop, you don't have that, right? Yeah. And you likely don't even have 16 gigs of GPU RAM. You probably have something much, much smaller. So we're starting to see some new language models come out that are reduced sets. So they're not as featureful, but they function and can run completely locally. Now, why do we care about that? Daniel mentioned, I guess it was that your question. Because you get like, oh, we are busy right now. Please come back later. That's That's a part of it. (laughs) But even better, they have slowly, actually fastly, been dumbing down these systems because people are finding creative ways to get it to tell them how to commit crimes, how to write malware, how to like do all sorts of crazy stuff. And you've got all these filters. Well, you know what? You can bring the language model down to your own system and you can ask it to do whatever you want. Like, yeah, yeah, it'll go crazy. So uh, this is going to absolutely be a tool used by attackers, uh, a tool to be used by... Uh, you know anybody who's trying to move forward any kind of position and any activism whatever yeah. uh, they can leverage this without all the safety safety features in place that we see on the commercial products I wonder how long it's going to be before 
there is a dark web version of ChatGPT that is specifically been trained and designed to help you commit crime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, they're like, no, no, morality dumb. Uh, throw that out, stupid, <laughs> stupid machine. <laughs> now, let's start talking about cryptocurrencies. <laughs> if you can think it, Something tells me eventually that will be a thing. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I like there's all these underground like hacking forums and and groups and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I I only assume it's just a matter of time before they take the open AI model and the Chat GPT uh, system that's built upon it and reverse engineer it into something that will basically just give them all the scenarios they need to effectively commit better and more effective crime. I mean, it is a business; they're going to invest in it. It just seems logical. Now, the, the thing that's been holding businesses like that back mm-hmm. is training the model, right? So you, you've got to train a model, and then that creates a, 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 a data set that you use as your reference, your actual language model that you can go with. Well, it takes huge amounts of computing resources and power to generate these models. Well, something else happened last week, which was Facebook, who has, or Meta, sorry, <laughs> got to get the name right here, yeah. Meta has put a ton of money and time into doing a lot of the AI research that we see today. Now, they've completely dropped the ball on commercializing any of it, right? So they've been able to dynamically generate images and do language generation and all the various things that we hear about. Meta has been working on that, but they've just failed to bring it to market. And so now they're scrambling, having to come up with stuff. We saw the same thing with Google, right, where uh, they had to really quick scramble to launch BARD, uh, which is second rate compared to ChatGPT. And so with Facebook, they've been working on this stuff, and somebody inside of Meta leaked the the fully trained language model that they built, which is called Llama, uh, which is... I forget what Llama stands for. It's a... Does it have red pajamas? It's... <laughs> it, it should. Uh, it's something about a... Uh, shoot. Language model meta AI... I'm forgetting the first L, large, large language model meta AI. Uh, so it's their model that they trained, and you can go on BitTorrent and download it. Ooh. And so now you've got the hard part, but it's too big to fit in the memory of most people's graphics cards. Well, some people have gotten on GitHub and actually shrunk it down to the parts that are critical, and mm. you can load it on, people are running on a MacBook, so they even got it running on a Raspberry Pi, although really slow, so that you can you can use it. Now, is this legal? That's not been shown yet. Is a language model, right? Like Facebook trained this off of public information, right? right? So is this something that's protected in intellectual property? We, we don't know. So if you go and BitTorrent this model down, you might be breaking the law. You might not. We don't, we don't know. Yeah, but once you have it, you can really do some crazy stuff right on your own system. Oh, don't you love the gray area of the law? Isn't it yeah. fun? Can you it's like, do I take the risk or do I not? Because then there's got those people that do take the risk and usually end up like profiting yeah. heavily. Hey, history is full of stuff like this, yeah. right? Like cocaine used to be in commercial products. Yeah. <laughs> so did heroin. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, and now it's legal again you, <laughs> in certain parts of the country. You used to be able to sell tapeworm eggs as weight loss pills yeah. until you know they, yeah. they made it illegal. So with this stuff, it's just not proven yet when these language models are trained, since they're trained on public information, is that copyrightable? Is that intellectual property? It's, it's hard to say. And we'll have to wait to find out on that one. So the same way that we look back and think, I can't believe that you used to be able to take tampor mags as, as a diet you know, option. We may look back and say, I can't believe that people were able to do this or that this was ever allowed. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, we don't have to follow laws. I mean, I still take Tapeworm eggs today. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. It's not illegal if you don't get caught, right? right now. <laughs> I'm glad I have you guys to show me the dark side of things. Because I'm reading through this and thinking, oh, cool. I wonder what cool things people could do if crime. this was an option. And yeah, and you guys are like, oh, yeah, criminals are going like, to use this. I don't I'm like, you know this, but uh, humans are hell bent on crime. That's oh, true. <laughs> so, you know, let, let's go down the crime route, right? Yeah. H- how do you guys spot phishing emails? What's one of the number one indicators? Poor grammar. Poor grammar, like spelling mistakes. Yep. So if if I'm a Russian, I always go back to the Russians. I gotta pick a better country to some kind of fictional country (laughs) to make the bad guys here. Yeah. But um, who's who's the big fishing people out there? Russia. So if I'm a, <laughs> <laughs> a state-sponsored Russian hacker, that's right. And, and I, I noticed. I noticed Don didn't point out to the Chinese. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
Well, anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> then you feed through ChatGPT and you say, you know, write me a convincing phishing email. Yeah. But, oh, then they got protections for that. Not on my own system. Yeah. And they can write and there's no paper trail anymore. It's all offline. You generate that letter and now it becomes really hard to spot. Yep. Yeah. Huh. It'll be fun. It's yeah. a brave new world, apparently. That's gonna be our new slogan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love I love when I see the light in something and then it's like, no, yeah. this is this is gonna be used for evil. Which you're not you're not wrong. Over this. Yeah. <laughs> our slogan should either be it's a brave new world or we should go die. the Bill Paxton route. Yeah, we're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> we're all gonna die. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should put her in charge. That's, yeah. <laughs> Every By the day. Way, I watched your Rift Tracks version of Aliens this weekend. Holy crap, I was dying. It is funny stuff. It's super funny. Riff Tracks is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wish I knew what you were talking about. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll Google it during the break. How about that? No, you won't. This yeah. is. <laughs> you lie to our audience like that. Well, that is going to wrap up the tech news segment of our show. So we're going to take a quick break. But up next, we're going to talk about some security news, including a Bitwarden flaw that might put your passwords at risk. So if you want to know more, you'll just have to stay tuned for more Technado. We are counting down the days until Technado's 300th episode, and we want you to be part of it. So head over to technado.com. You can record a video message that will air as part of our 300th episode, which is going to stream live on Tuesday, March 21st at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And as a bonus thank you from the Technado crew, we will select three lucky listeners to receive a special gift from us to commemorate the 300th. The deadline to send in your videos is March 16th. We couldn't have come this far without you, and we just can't wait to have you join the party. Welcome back for more Technado. Thanks for sticking with us. We've got some real cool security news. We're going to be jumping. Well, I said cool. Cool. <laughs> Concerning. Cool. You know, pick, pick your words. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into it with uh, this one is going to be, I, I don't know. I guess it's it's not really conspiracy nut or anything like that. I mean, it's just slightly concerning. It has to do with malware. So not my favorite topic. Um, but this segment is tinfoil hat. The moon landing was fake. Paul McCartney's been dead since 1966. Dogs can't see color. 5G causes syphilis. Do you understand that? Huh. I don't think I don't think I've heard that one yet. That's a new one to me. Okay, cool. Your see, first I, I see that was my first tinfoil. I'm being indoctrinated. <laughs> yeah. I, I heard tinfoil hat and I was like, is this a conspiracy thing? But okay, so this article comes from the Hacker News. Uh, it says, warning: AI generated YouTube video tutorials spreading info stealer malware. So the draw here, from what I can tell, is that there's these videos that promise, like, here's how to download a cracked version of Photoshop or AutoCAD, and there's links, and you can download it from there, supposedly, but it's it's not a link to a free version of Photoshop. It's it's malware. Yeah. I mean, we, we were talking before the show about how when you go to news websites these days, it's becoming difficult to tell whether what you're reading was written by a human or whether it was written by ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. And we're now making that leap to video, that when you watch a video on YouTube and it's a person explaining how to do something, you don't know if that's a real person or if that's AI-generated. I mean, visually, if you can see the person, there's usually some kind of giveaway, like their hands do really weird things. They have six fingers. Or, yeah, <laughs> yeah. or they're not breathing. I, I don't, yeah. Have you guys noticed yeah, that? Yeah. It, Sometimes hard to tell, but the AI ones, they, they never breathe. Yeah. Well, <laughs> breathe Breathing is dumb, no. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> so there's, versus us, where you can hear us being out yeah. of breath. So we're, we're, we're real, at least for today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what's going on here is something that's actually been going on for decades, you know, that if you want to steal software and not pay for it, you can sometimes find cracks and, and license generators and things like that to be able to bypass the security of a software program. And some software like Adobe Photoshop or whatever can be quite expensive. Although now now it's tied to a subscription model, you know, used mm. to be. And there's so many free alternatives at this. Yeah, point. like open source yeah. stuff like, that you right, can use. Really good stuff. I'm not saying it's like on par, but you can do a lot of things with some yeah. open source and free software. Well, back in the '90s and 2000s, if you went and bootlegged software either by getting cracking utilities or weird. going to a torrent and yeah, yeah the weird, weird stuff, or whatever, yeah. downloading those, there was a pretty decent chance that there would be viruses or malware in the software you were downloading. Like, like People don't just give software away for free out of the goodness of their heart. They're usually got some kind of ulterior motive. Well, we're seeing that moving into the new age where they're leveraging ChatGPT and other AI tools to generate, in this case, like video tutorials. And so it shows a lady who's actually explaining to you how to download a program to crack Adobe Photoshop and run it without paying for it. And then they're 
graciously providing you a link to go and download the utility. Mm-hmm. And they're using URL shorteners like like Bitly and other ones, which I don't know about you guys, but I do not click on shortened URLs ever. No. Like mm-hmm. they, you just cannot trust them. So uh, so they use those. And when you click on it, you're downloading a tool, certainly. But the tool contains, in this case, the InfoStealer malware. It installs on your machine, it harvests data, it exfiltrates it out, and then is used to blackmail you and potentially install ransomware. So bad bad scene altogether. Yeah. What I find most interesting about this is that think of the audience, I guess we'll call them, uh, that they are targeting with this. People that are looking to steal something. <laughs> so probably not wealthy people. Probably not. But yet willing to break the wall for some software. Like, it's interesting. It's like robbing a drug dealer. <laughs> is he going to call the police? Well, that's true. Right? I of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, are, do, I, I'm just kind of riffing here. I'm kind of going through the yeah. thoughts they're yeah. r- processing through my head at this point. Do I care? <laughs> <laughs> right? It's, do I it's, feel bad for you? It's thieves giving malware to thieves. All right. Yeah. I, I hadn't thought of that. I mean, just that's yeah. what's popping in my head here. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I haven't thought this is a half-baked thought. But So I, I guess what we have to worry about is when they start targeting people that right. are you know, not trying to steal maybe, software. Maybe right? this is step one. Yeah. So I've, I've encountered this where I was trying to do something in like Excel or, or whatever, yeah. and you need a, a Visual Basic script to do something special. And so you go online, somebody's got a tutorial, and you can download the script. So that's probably where you'd have to worry about it when it starts yeah. targeting legitimate yes. users. But you're right; these are people that would not would not report it in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I, I had a question for you, Daniel, because I I saw a term in here I hadn't seen before. So they're describing yeah. the people behind this, and they called them traffers. Traffers. T R A F F E R S. Traffers. That's a new term for me. Is that? Yeah. Had you heard that one before? So I'm familiar with it. Um, traffers are basically you got to almost think so malware. And uh, the things that they're doing, obviously, it's a business, right? They are stealing money, ultimately, but ultimately, it is a business. And there's going to be employees, for lack of a better term, in said business. And you'll have administrators, and then they'll have their team of people that uh, think of it like here, where we have marketing, they do lead generation. Traffers is kind of like lead generation, (laughs) right? They have a funnel and a pipeline, and they're trying to create lead generation by drumming up. So they use things like YouTube and they can do, um, what's it called? Like SEO injection, or not injections, but like poisoning, SEO okay. poisoning, where mm. they create YouTube videos. And from what I understand, like the vast majority, like 20, 30% of new YouTube videos are SEO poisoning attempts to get nice. you to like, this is something that you would most likely be attracted to people that look attractive on topics that are attractive so that you immediately jump on it, look at it, watch the video and then go, Hey, that sounds interesting. I should do that. So these traffers are the ones that are creating those content, trying to drive the sales toward the administrators who then are able to hook those people via the malware and then gain access to the systems, start siphoning off funds or doing whatever it is they do with their malware. Mm. So that's what traffers, that's their, their kind of lot in life is in that, that ecosystem. All right. So, when Technado finally gets to the point where we can afford to hire a dedicated marketing person, <laughs> we should put on there like must be a skilled traffer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like a traffer. It sounds like a British slang word, yeah. like a, a traffer. That yeah. just I don't oh, know. it's my friend. He's a traffer. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was something. That was quite. Of course, I can't talk. My British yeah. accent's terrible. So, but that was that was quite the attempt. It, it looks like too. They uh, there's certain instances where threat actors will leverage like social engineering techniques to hijack really big like legitimate YouTube accounts and yeah. then post the video. Because I was thinking, I'm like, if this is just some random account that pops up one day that I don't already follow or pay attention to, what are the odds that like I would see this yeah. and be like, yeah. oh? But if it's a popular account that is likely to pop up, like you might enjoy this. And it gives it legitimacy. Right. Exactly. Right? So not only do you have a lot of eyes on that traffic but it's like oh taylor swift told me about this cryptocurrency as she does i should straight up go get this because i'm a swifty or whatever the hell they call it is swifty good job yeah i thought they were the squad no i think that's the that's the um four female congresswomen oh no oh all right maybe yeah maybe but swifty is that is a taylor swift thing squad might be like a different music group or something i don't know might be a different. The only time base. I've ever heard that is by referencing like Iliad Omar, 
uh, Alexandra AOC. Yeah, yeah. AOC. Huh. I thought it was a Taylor Swift thing, but now we, we can we can look forward to Swift Coin. <laughs> Swift Coin. That's right. Start First mining thing. Swift Coin. Best cyber sec- yeah. you know uh, <laughs> or um, cyber crime coin yeah. on the market. We've got a new. It's coming. <laughs> We've lost control. Yeah. Where's the the Taylor Swift Montgox? So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So moral of the story: If you want Photoshop or AutoCAD, just pay for it. Or use an open source yep. version. Yeah. Like, don't click on links you don't recognize. I feel like we talk about this a lot. Like, yeah. ever, and ev- ever, <laughs> even if it looks legit, because you can do things like CDN or typo mm-hmm. squatting. So if you're filtering through a CDN, it looks like oh, it's coming from Google. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah kinda, but not really, mm-hmm. not originally. It's being filtered through yeah. Google, through yeah. Amazon. Just don't click links. I don't give a damn if your mom sent it to you. It's probably even more suspect because. You know, the elderly aren't great about knowing about technology. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to craft the, the joke, not the joke that I want to say, but the joke that I'm allowed to say. That's right. It's not the joke we want, but it's the joke we You know, I, your mom reliably sends stuff to me all the time. It's the joke we deserve. <laughs> <laughs> what was the Batman line and Chris Nolan's? Not the, not the one we deserve, yeah. but the one we need right now yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll, wow. we'll leave that one open. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. oh, yeah. uh, tying back to the tinfoil hat part on this, though, it does pay in this day and age to be a little paranoid that when you read an article online, when you watch a video on YouTube, we are at the stage now where you cannot assume that it was written or being spoken by an actual human being anymore. <laughs> okay, so that's how it ties. That, that ship has that's sailed. Fun. Okay, yeah. gotcha. That ship has <laughs> Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean people aren't watching you. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, moving on from that, although that was a fun conversation. I missed that ship, though. We- <laughs> <laughs> so I know it seems like every week now we talk about LastPass, and we beat that dead horse every week. <laughs> but we have a change of pace Pull here. out your sticks, ladies we- and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> and let me direct you to Carcass B. <laughs> we, have, we have a little bit of a change of pace here. We're going to talk a little bit about Bitwarden. So this segment is called Doe. Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, so, do. And I panicked a little bit when I read this, when I first saw this article, <laughs> because I switched from LastPass when all that stuff was happening, and I switched to Bitwarden. And then I saw this article, uh, Bitwarden Flaw Can Let Hackers Steal Passwords Using iFrames. This is from Bleeping Computer. Of course, I saw Bitwarden hackers steal passwords, and I was like, are you kidding me? Again? So, But it looks like the issue here is with the autofill feature. So as long as yes. that's not in it, which I think it's disabled by default, if I'm not mistaken. So if that's not enabled, you should be okay. Yep, this is a flaw. It's interesting they're pointing it out in Bitwarden, and there are a lot of eyes on Bitwarden and 1Password and all the other password managers that are benefiting from LastPass's misstep. And so people are looking, and they're trying to find anything they can. And in this case, they did find a flaw. I'm going to call it a flaw. I feel it's a little unfair in the way that Bitwarden functions. If you visit a website that has a username and password field, the autofill feature in Bitwarden is turned off by default. And the idea is that you click on the form and then you get a little drop-down box and you can pick your name and then it'll fill it in. It doesn't just fill it in automatically. But there's a feature you can turn on where when you go to a web page, if Bitwarden sees a user and password field, it'll just automatically put the data in there. Some people like that. I know the password manager that's built into Microsoft Edge and Microsoft or I almost said Microsoft Chrome, Google <laughs> Chrome. Uh, yeah, no, you got it right. Those, <laughs> those have it on by default where they'll just automatically fill those forms. So some people like that feature and you can turn it on. But what the security researchers found was that if a web page contained an iframe, the iframe could be pointed to a different URL and potentially be used to steal the username and password that are autofilled inside of it. Now, the Bitwarden people, the developers, had to make a choice, which was, do we support iframes or not? And the idea here was that many, many websites have a primary domain for their website and use a different domain for their login forms. And if they didn't support iframes, that would mean basically it just wouldn't autofill those at all. Well, they decided to go ahead and make it where that was available, but they put a warning in, so they warn you about it. Like when you turn on autofill, it's a feature that you are, are a risk that you are accepting. You're and opting saying, I'm willing into to less security. Right. And so, you know, you can do that. Now, personally, I don't use the autofill feature. I, I'm not a fan of it. I like to be able to click to manually say, yes, paste in my password, and mm. then it does it. Uh, but for people that like it, it's just a risk they accept. The other password managers actually have a similar risk. LastPass, 1Password, they each have to deal with this their own way. 
Uh, so it, it's kind of a known entity. I don't feel like this is Bitwarden's fault. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. When I read this article, I was like, okay. And, and they Bitwarden, I think, even made the case like many of these uh, um, uh, username password fields, they use iframes. We have to support iframes. Can't just yep. like completely shut off that functionality. Otherwise, it's kind of useless. You know, it it makes us so much less useful of a tool. So what we're going to do is we're going to warn our users, let them be informed, and let them make their own decisions on how they're going to use LastPass. So, or not LastPass, but I'm sorry, but Bitwarden. Mm -hmm. yep. So I I like that about the I like that philosophy, as in give me the options, let me take control, and then the onus is on me to be secure, and when you know of something that could be a quote-unquote trap that I could fall into, just inform me about it. Let me know so that I can make an informed decision on whether or not I want to turn something on or off or whatever or utilize a feature. So, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't like running for, for a different password manager after reading this. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this is totally fine. You know, one thing they did mention, it was an attack vector I hadn't really thought much about, was companies that allow you to create subdomains under a real primary domain. Hmm. And I, I had a hard time coming up with an example of this because what first popped into my mind was the old uh, Angel Fire websites oh, yeah. or GeoCities. Yeah, GeoCities. So if you wanted a website back back in the ancient days, uh, before Sophie was born, that... Uh, <laughs> Probably. <laughs> you know, you could get, like, Daniel could get daniel.geocities.com and I could get don.geocities.com. How'd well, you know my website? Okay, <laughs> well, the password managers pay attention to that primary domain, Right. So imagine if you go to don.geocities.com and you create a user account and password and your password manager autofills, and then you go to daniel.geocities.com and it autofills your credentials to the other side. An attacker could use that as a way to grab your autofill data. Well, I was trying to think in terms of modern networks. I'm like, what, what modern company allows you to use a subdomain off of their primary domain? And I had a hard time thinking of it, and then I thought of a really big one. Yeah. Office 365. Oh, does it really? Everybody, if you go and sign up for an Office 365 account, the very first thing it does, so let's, let's say it assigns you a subdomain. Donco, donco.onmicrosoft.com. Right. Oh. Every Office 365 oh. client gets a onmicrosoft.com subdomain. Gotcha. And it's smart. They didn't use Microsoft.com. That'd be a total Charlie Foxtrot, right? <laughs> but they did onmicrosoft.com. It's a little bit better, but an attacker could spin up their own 365 instance. And you know, using whatever name, and if they can get you to click a link to go there, your password manager might autofill your password, and they can grab that as an event, you know, like a JavaScript event, and grab it. You know what's fun is like all these big hacks that happen. A lot of times, they just come down to either phishing, social engineering attack of some kind, mm. or like tricking you into putting your username and password into something that they control. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not crazy zero days used to access. Microsoft, blah, blah, blah. No, that doesn't. I mean, it happens, but it's not very common. What is common? Click here. Yeah. Type in your username and password. Thank you for playing the game. Mm -hmm. Now, if you are a Bitwarden user like like Sophie is, and actually in our day job, we are we're migrating away from LastPass to Bitwarden. Mm -hmm. Personally, I use one password. You know, they're, they're, they're all good programs. Yeah. But uh, if you are a Bitwarden user, just know that this feature is off by default. Mm. And if you go to turn it on, it's a little checkbox, and right beneath it is a big warning that tells you about the risks of using autofill. I so, don't see it. <laughs> you sound like an end user. Yeah. I'm just not seeing it, Don. I'm sorry. <laughs> Obviously, you are lying. That's right. This computer sucks. <laughs> yeah, that was the first thing I did when I read this article was I immediately went and checked if mine was yeah. turned on because I couldn't remember if it was off by See, default. So. So Sophia, she got hers from this, this uh, video of this lady telling you how you get a cracked <laughs> version of Bitwarden. She was like, hell yeah, I'm downloading that too. Come to think of it, I don't know why I did that, because Bitwarden's free anyway. So I don't know what I was thinking. That, or at least I guess most of it's, it's free. And maybe it's the criminal that. in you. The, right. Yeah, that yeah. little criminal I like to live side. on the edge, yeah, that's all. She's like, I don't care if it's free, I want to steal it. This is what it would, would it be, libel It's like snatching or all the pens from a bank. To, you know, like, <laughs> take one. You can have it, it's After fine. After another. <laughs> is this libel or slander, what yeah, you're doing to me right now? Right. I can't remember which is which. It's is it libel spoken. written and yeah, slander is spoken? Slander, slander yeah. is spoken? Okay, yeah. good to know. I'll keep that in mind. That happens a lot in that here. So I will keep protected speech, by the way. Slander's not? No, it's not. Yeah, I didn't think so. Yeah. I'm a journalism student. Yeah. Sir, I know some things. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on from that, uh, now that I know that I do use Bitwarden, but I should be okay. Time will tell, <laughs> but I should be okay. Uh, this next segment is Who Got Pwned? Not to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah! 
So this article comes from The Register. It says, Acronis downplays cyber attack after 12 gigabyte trove leaks online. So Acronis made it seem like this intrusion only affected one customer and all the other data was safe, but that's not the case. Well, actually, it seems like it is. This is one of those okay. cases, anytime somebody gets breached, they immediately want to downplay it, right? What, what, sure. are the, what are the things that you hear? They'll say, like, only a minimal subset of our customers were affected. Or, uh, yes, attackers got in, but no payment data was mm. retrieved. You know, meanwhile, everything else, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> everything else is off the rails. <laughs> and when they say, like, a minimal subset, there's no legal definition of minimal subset. So if yeah. they have 1,000 customers and 999 were affected... It's a minimal subset. Only some customers yeah. were affected. And we're... We're currently notifying those that are affected, and yeah, yeah it, it, our team is working diligently. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there, there's a whole PR angle for how to deal with mm. breaches like this and obfuscate and whatever. But this is kind of the opposite. Basically, a hacker came out and said, "Look, I hacked Acronis, got in. Their their security was terrible. Walked right through the door." And I was able to exfiltrate 12 gigabytes of data. The, I believe the quote was, <laughs> uh, their security was, quote, dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. End quote. End quote. <laughs> so a uh, very eloquent hacker. Yes, uh, yes. And they then proceeded to you know, say, look, I've got 12 gigabytes of data. And this data contains screenshots and logs and backups of data uh, and a bunch of information. Well... That, that's pretty bad. If you're not familiar with Acronis, Acronis makes a, a, a whole collection of software that's actually really cool stuff. So if you want to image machines, let's say you're at a school, a university, and you've got a lab with 50 computers, you can build one image and auto-deploy it across the room. And at the end of the day, it can reset all the machines and, and redeploy the image and stuff. So it's, it's just it's very nice. Yeah, it is, it is nice software. And you can do this with built-in tools and a lot of operating systems, but Acronis makes it easy. I'm turning this into an Acronis commercial. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll stop doing that. Acronis sucks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 12 gigs of data. I mean, come on. <laughs> but yeah, if you, if you want to back up your hard drive or duplicate a machine, that's what their software does. Uh, and they've been around a long time. I think I used Acronis the first time back in 2001. So they've been around at least 20. Yeah. years. Uh, so they're they're a, a mature company. Their uh, CISO, their their chief information security officer, came out and said, wait a minute, you know, there, there was some data. This 12 gigs of data is real data. However, the hacker didn't exactly break into our systems. What happened is when you call tech support and you're working through a problem, so as a customer calls Acronis, Acronis has a FTP server where you're able to transmit data files up for them to review. So they'll say like, well, we need to look at your logs or can you send us one of your backups and so on. And so they issue temporary credentials for the user to connect and upload that data. Well, in this scenario, the user's credentials were compromised. The attacker somehow got those credentials and was able to log into Acronis's website or, or their support site and download that customer's file. So the screenshots, the backup, and so on that were retrieved were actually this one customer who was seeking tech support. So they were not internal Acronis files. Right, mm. right. And so, you know, what they're saying is either either this customer did password reuse or the customer's, that client machine was compromised so the credentials were exfiltrated or something happened there that allowed those credentials to be stuffed. You know, something led to it to allow the attacker to get in there. Now, on one hand, I, I feel good for Acronis, like, you know, because it, it's not a breach. But on the other hand, when I've used support sites like that in the past where you had to upload files into it, it is trivial to configure those servers where you can upload files but not download, hmm. right? You know, mm -hmm. it's the, uh, uh, oh, shoot, not the sticky bit. What's the, what's the bit in the Linux file system you can enable to make an upload folder. So people can upload files, but they can't, like it disappears once it's in there. You, what, what you give somebody the, yes. write permission, but not read. Yes. Um, what would be the purpose of that? So that this scenario, the, yeah. the, the example I give um, in, in college, what is the it might be different now because of email and all that. But when I was in college, professors would say like, hey, this paper is due Friday by midnight. Oh, and okay. so at like 9 p.m. or I'm, who am I kidding? At 11:59 p.m., <laughs> You're not I'd be of like the set UID. I think it's just assigning. So right I, I think I think yeah. So right. you just say you have no 
you'd, you'd run up to that professor's office and you'd slide your paper under their door. The door was closed and locked, right? You slide the paper under. So you were able to put the paper in, but you couldn't get it back out, right? Mm. So you could write, you could yeah. give them data, but you couldn't read to bring it's the data back It's blockbuster video, right? Yeah, the you, Dropbox. You drop the videos in the Dropbox and close it. That video's gone. You're yeah. not reaching in there right. and getting it back. And in, in Mac OS, they call it a Dropbox, but in, in the Unix world, I believe it's just a folder where you have write permission but yeah. not read. And so usually that's how these support sites are configured. So in my opinion, while Acronis didn't get fully breached, this would have been a trivial thing for them to fix. There's no reason to allow a customer to be able to download from your, your support upload folder. Yeah, uh, but That's true. That's how theirs was configured. So this one customer had their data compromised. And and I'm just now you got me on the sticky bit thing. The sticky bit is so that something cannot be deleted. The sticky if, bit is so if, if, if five different users create five different files, right. they're you know, they have permissions on the files, other people can see it but can't delete it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so just making sure I'm not losing my mind. Yep. It, it, no, it's definitely a thing. Okay. And I, I can't remember what it's called. And one of our viewers will throw yeah. it on YouTube and make fun of me. <laughs> yeah. um, Don, you idiot. <laughs> actually, though, what is the thing you do, actually? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, the neckbeard. Yeah. Worst episode yeah. ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Don, I'm not saying. <laughs> you, you talked about, like, how companies tend to, like, downplay when they've got issues like this, which, I mean, I probably would, too, I guess, if I was, mm-hmm. you know, some big thing came out. But I guess I can understand in some instances... Maybe I'm off base here, but like I'll watch like Law and Order and there'll be times where it's like people want to know like what happened? Like we have a right to know this is an area we live in and they're like we can't release details right now because it could be dangerous for them to release this information. So are there ever situations like that? Just out of curiosity where like they have a security breach or something they can't release details because it could make it worse. If if the government's involved. So if if they've called the FBI and the FBI has told them, you know, no, you cannot disclose this information and so on. But with GDPR, the way that it is then they they need to disclose something. And there does end up in a situation where there's a conflict between like U.S. law and European law and all that comes into play. But in this scenario, I'm just thinking of me. So if if, if I was the CISO of Acronis and I I know that GDPR is a thing and a customer is sending me their data, if the customer is sending me a backup, the odds are there's sensitive data in there or the customer would just do another backup, right? Right. Why why troubleshoot this one? Mm. Uh, So there must be something they want to get in there and it's important. So it's probably PII, (laughs) you Ah. know? Yeah. And so if I'm going to let them transmit it to me, I'm now responsible for that PII, right? And so if if that gets breached, now we got a big challenge. So I'm going to want to protect that as best as possible. And that did not happen. No, Don, here's what I want from my CISOs, man. I want the Jimmy Swaggart CISO. (laughs) I have sinned. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm waiting to see that. Instead of trying to (laughs) shove it under the rug, they just come out. No, bear their entire heart on on, on, on screen and just tell us how bad it really is. Yeah. So, you know, they, they did come out. Everything they said was truthful, yeah. right? So the, the Acronis CISO said, look, you know, it's just data to this one specific customer. It's not our whole system. Uh, they're continuing to investigate, which, you know, sometimes two months later, you find out that it's yeah. a whole different world. <coughs> pass, pass. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm coming but, down uh, with little allergies. <laughs> but as it stands, I, I do think that, yeah, in this case, the, the hacker was just ready to jump out and, and share this information. Uh, and it it would have been an easy thing for the Acronis team to stop. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. It does seem like the whole like Acronis downplay cyber attack of it, it seems like maybe that's a little bit mis- not misleading because, I mean, they were truthful about everything, like you said. Yeah. Did they and say who the client was that the data was? They did not. They yeah. did not. Because, no. yeah, that, that might make a difference in the severity. Oh, that's right? true. Yeah. Because if this was a U.S. government employee or some big corporation mm-hmm. that's using Acronis and it did have PII in there or something yeah. sensitive. Hmm. Now, you know, it, it's not LastPass bad. You yeah. didn't have like their lead security engineer on their home computer with Plex running. Like it's not that bad. Right. Uh, but at the same time, because it was simple steps that could have protected it, it yeah, just, they don't get a free pass on yeah. this one. Right. Yeah. Like Agreed. it's not awful, but it's not anything to sweep under the rug yeah. either. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll, we'll let it slide this time as far as like. Just don't do that again. We're watching you. <laughs> watching you, Acronis. And right and here. maybe think about this all those times when it as as IT people, we do have to call support on the various products we have. So the I next don't. time yeah, <laughs> you just screw it, doesn't work. But uh Buy a new one. <laughs> for the rest of us. Uh if a vendor asks you to upload your logs, 
Yeah. You need to think about what data is in those logs. Yeah. And or maybe use some sort of encryption and where they have the key and yeah. you know, stuff like that. So it's at least encrypted. But even then, once you turn it over to them with the key, how do you know they're going to handle that data safely? So you've got to choose your vendors wisely and, yeah. and yeah. think about it anytime you transmit data to them. Yeah. It's a tough world out there security wise. Yep. When you were saying the name Acronis like over and over again earlier and you said you were like, it sounds like a sponsorship. This is not a brand deal. <laughs> What's the opposite of that when you say a name over and over, but it's like in a negative detrimental way? Complicult. <laughs> I feel like we've got that with LastPass because, like, every week, even when we don't have an article, it comes up. Yeah, and yeah. we're talking crap about LastPass, which, <laughs> well, like, to be know. fair, I mean, we like heard it. <laughs> Dead horses are not safe around here. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so now, now I know. Every week, the, there's new, um, like a Cronus. I wasn't super familiar with the Cronus before, and now I know. And it's just interesting that it's kind of neat to get a new perspective on this stuff. So yeah. appreciate you guys walking us through this tech news every week. Before we wrap up, I do want to mention uh, Technado is sponsored by ACI Learning, the folks behind IT Pro. So if you're listening from the Technado website, if you want to support the podcast, check out those courses. Um, I believe we had some Microsoft Intune stuff that came out recently. Uh, I think we might have CEH coming up soon. Maybe in the next very couple soon. months. Very soon. Very, very soon. soon. Okay. Yeah. D- uh, it's technically released. Like we're partial. Well. Yeah. It's in stage. What, whatever. It, whatever is done yeah. and edited is in the library. Yeah. In our day jobs, that's that's what we work on. So <laughs> that's what, poor Daniel. That's that's the thing that's been on his back recently. Yeah. So, but that will be coming out soon. So keep an eye out for that. You can also use the promo code Technado30 for a discount on your IT Pro membership, and you can check out ACI Learning's webinars and live on social events. Those are at itpro.tv/webinars. They're also on YouTube. You had one last week with. Ben Fink at OnDefend. Yes, we do. So that should be time. up there. You can check that out. And we've got another one uh, that's going to be coming. I think that's it'll be the day this episode is released. It'll the be 16th. In the 16th, March 16th, all things cybersecurity with uh, Mike Saunders. Mike Saunders of Red, Red Siege. Siege. So that's pretty cool. So you don't want to miss that. That'll be Daniel and myself. Way to undersell it. He's principal security consultant at Red Siege. Dude is a big deal. I mm. just wanted to give you an opportunity. I to hear say. you. That's <laughs> I wanted to give you a chance to break it up a little bit. <laughs> Uh, and it is Women's History Month all, mar- all month long. Uh, that's how months work, all month long. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> ACI Learning is highlighting uh, some women working in tech. So you can check back every Wednesday in March for another interview with a woman working in audit, cyber, or IT. We've got one this week with Lynn Trong. She is an audit specialist, a uh, really cool lady. Interesting to hear from her. So check that out. Spy. Do what- <laughs> Let's, let's hope not if she's yeah. working in audit. Let's hope not. Um, so that will have been released earlier this week. You can check that out on YouTube. And we also had an interview this week with ACI Learning's very own Robin Abernathy. So she got to talk about her story, how she got into tech. And that was really interesting to listen to as well. She's a really cool lady. So you can check that out as well. And last but not least, this is the last episode before our 300th episode. So that is right. Am I, I'm correct on that, right? The math? This, this is the last episode we're going to film today yeah. <laughs> until tomorrow. This is the last episode. It's been fun. Yeah. <laughs> They're shutting us down. So it is Tell coming my mother up. I love her. <laughs> it's coming up fast on uh, our 300th episode, and you can be part of it if you head to technator.com. You can submit a video and potentially be part of the episode, and we're also going to pick, I think, a couple of winners. So definitely check out the website and go do that. Those are going to be due by March 20th, and that is coming up quick uh, because the live 300th episode will air on Tuesday, March 21st. Tuesday, not Thursday, Tuesday. So keep that in mind. Um, I'm very excited for it because that'll be the first time that I'm here. I don't know if y'all, have y'all done a live Technado episode before? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's the first time that I'm doing it, so I'm excited. I think it's going to be fun. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. The, the pressure gonna... is on when you yeah. screw up live. You uh... <laughs> They're going to make it a miserable experience for me now. Now that I've said I'm looking forward to it. So that is all I've got for my spiel. Is there anything I'm forgetting? No, it's uh, it's exciting times. Episode 300, definitely tune in for it. It's a huge milestone. That's what, like one a week? It's like, what, it's like one more than 299. <laughs> but it's just okay. one, one shy at 301. <laughs> Well, with that said, <laughs> you got to remember she's a journalism major. I'm a, uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. You got to take it slow with me. <laughs> so, with that said, we want to thank Don and Dan for breaking down what's going on in tech news this week. And until next time, we will see you on the next episode of Technado. Hey.